ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Okay, so here's a turn up for the books. I have been messaging backwards and forwards with a guy for about two weeks. We had two very brief dates just because it's very hard to get two schedules aligned with work and kids and things. Uh, The texting has been fantastic. It's really fun. It's funny. It's silly. It's smart. it's, It's a bit flirty. Last episode, I went on my disastrous first, first date and I pushed through some terrible matches who really tested my fragile heart. But after the duds, I think I'm finally onto a winner. I matched with a wordplay-loving cheese enthusiast and I'm happy to report that sparks have been flying. His name is Gene. From his profile, I thought he'd be outside my comfort zone. There are a few photos of him in a suit, which is not normally the vibe I go for. But hey, after the last two mismatches, maybe it's time to try something new on for size. The texting has been charming, witty, flowing like a tap. I'm finding myself up late, aching for the buzz of my phone. He's been away, so we've been forced to keep things in the chat. And it's going so well. But I start to worry about whether the chemistry is going to translate to real life, particularly the bedroom. I've been trying to, you know, manage expectations and there's been lots of really great open communication about our situations and uh, managing that communication. But now it's the first time we're going to see each other in two weeks. Is there going to be a physical spark? What if there's not? Is it going to be really awkward? Lots of deep breathing on the tram and just see how it goes. Okay, this is a bit, well, it's excruciating to say out loud, actually, but it's been a long time since I last had sex with an actual human, not since my marriage ended two years ago. Despite our difficulties, sex had been a fairly regular and very satisfying part of life with my ex-husband, even if it had declined with the onset of kids and perimenopause. But so much has changed since my passionate 20s and 30s. Things feel different, and they certainly look different. I knew this moment might come, But now that it's potentially very close, that I might get physical in some way with someone, I'm worried about the vulnerability, the intimacy and the nudity. I haven't gotten the kit off in front of someone in a long time. Does everything even still work? I'm Hilary Harper and this is Dated, a series about dating and maybe even having sex later in life male, female, or somewhere in between, our bodies aren't what they used to be at this age, and neither are our sexual desires for some. So in this episode, I'm figuring out how to refine our sexual selves in the world when the world is often telling us we're past it. When I look at photos of myself from the 90s, the last time I was really dating, I see this lithe young person, very active and full of I don't know, perhaps the optimism of youth. I didn't really love my body then. God, what was I thinking? Was I blind? But I trusted it to give me and others pleasure. It was smooth, strong, bristling with energy, and it rarely let me down. When I look in the mirror now, I see a very different shape, and I see all the shapes my body has been. I see the times it was swelling with pregnancy, and the sudden flattening of loss. I couldn't even stand to look at my flat belly after losing those babies. 
I see all the surgeries, the soft shadows of incisions, and the aftermath too. Broken, healed, cut, sewn up. My thinner skin is a tapestry, reminding me of all the terrible, devastating ways my body had let me down. I stopped enjoying my body, and I stopped trusting it. That's starting to change now, 10 or 15 years on from that heartbreak. There've been times when I've found some affection for my body and gratitude, even pride. I've started lifting weights and riding long distances on my bike. I've regained some strength. It feels good. But my body is always a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I'm often doing the loops of sadness or even disgust about my changing shape. So there's a lot to unpack around what I'm bringing to a new sexual encounter. Maybe I need to talk to someone, a sex therapist. It's been a blessing to have Tanya Coons as a trustworthy voice throughout this series. She says change of all kinds is natural and there's no reason our pursuit of physical pleasure should have an expiry date. Our bodies do change and so sometimes there are things like atrophying where the skin will thin out or it might take us a little bit longer to be aroused. A lot of people think that menopause signifies the end of sex and I'm here to say that is not true. Um, Research has actually shown that if you are sexually active before menopause, there's no reason to believe that you will not be sexually active after menopause. So you kind of owe it to yourself to keep up a regular and pleasurable sex life either with a partner or by yourself. Well, yeah, and I mean, when I thought about this, and I think about it a lot, actually, not having had to put it to the test yet, but I'm quite worried about it because I've had kids, I've had a lot of pregnancies, I've had injuries. Uh, people, I guess, might find old um, traumas resurfacing. And then there's, if you have not chosen to be single, that feeling of rejection and getting over that. What are some ways that we can get around those, those thoughts and feelings and get back into our bodies as they actually are? Uh, I think, well, part of it, yeah, so you've got radical honesty. There's also radical acceptance, yeah? So understanding that no matter what size or shape our body is or what battle scars we carry, our bodies are very, very capable of giving us and other people pleasure. It doesn't matter. There's no, you, you don't, it's, there's not a prescription for the way that you look or present as to how much pleasure you can have. Each body in this world is capable and able to experience pleasure, That's something that's very important. So being curious about your own pleasure in the body that you find yourself in now is a really good question and a really good pursuit to sort of see how everything works for you. When you know that, then it's much easier to tell other people that you might want to be sharing pleasure with what works for you and then being curious about their body and how it works for them rather than making assumptions. So I don't think anybody's too old for sex or too damaged for intimacy. Okay, good to know it's possible. But in practice, how do you go about rediscovering that feeling of being sexy and confident again? I would really like to know. And I kind of feel I'm on a deadline here. That exciting third date is coming up fast. I asked Tanya if you need to get to that place before you start dating or if you can do it on the job. It's a, Well, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, isn't it? Because we want to not talk ourselves out of meeting people because we don't feel sexy in any way. So knowing yourself well and tapping into your own energy is um, always my number one recommendation for people. Spend some time being sexual and giving yourself pleasure because that energy sort of comes into your body and the way that you are 
and helps you connect with other people in that way. If you're listening to your head all the time, because our head picks up messages from society about, you know, I'm not sexy and this isn't good enough and I don't look like that and people are going to find me unattractive, they're not generally messages that our body will send us, they're messages that we're breathing in from the world around us. And we don't always have to take those in and believe them. We can modify those thoughts like, oh, wow, you know, some people might think that they don't feel sexy at this age, but I'm really glad that I do. I I had the the privilege of spending some time with Sharla Hathaway last year, and she uh, did a one-woman show about becoming a sex worker at the age of 54. And she's now 75. And she stayed at my house and she was going on Tinder dates quite regularly and having a very lovely time. She was amazing. All my friends were like, I want to be like her when I get older. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I got to that sexy, confident place before starting my dating journey, but I did keep my hand in. And I'm starting to suspect I might be able to reconnect with those sensual feelings with an actual human being. My third date with Jean finally rolls around, and let's just say, I'm feeling the heat. It's my birthday, and after two weeks of distant, increasingly flirty messaging, it's like we finally get to go off-leash. He orchestrates this fantastic lunch, beautiful Italian food, and makes an effort to plan it around my work schedule and my childcare arrangements. He puts a birthday candle in our dessert, and then he looks at me, in this way that sparks off little zaps of electricity through my body. He takes my hand and everything stops for a moment. I realise straight away that we could definitely take this further. So that went well. (laughs) Let's just say that we had a lovely lunch and now my lipstick is in complete disarray. (laughs) Yep, we kiss under his umbrella in what passes for Melbourne's summer weather and we kiss some more until my tram comes. Yes, I had to go home and finish work. Real life is not a rom-com. But at least it's clear now that underneath that anxiety about physical intimacy with someone new was a definite stirring of desire. Fate, though, is not kind to us. And then the day after I have this fantastic, exciting, lovely first kiss, he gets COVID. Is this not the most 2020s dating story (laughs) ever? So there ensued a period of forced isolation where we just messaged furiously and I'm very much looking forward to, I believe we put quote marks around, seeing how it goes next time we meet. But yeah, what can you do, hey? Am I worried about getting COVID? Can't say it's at the top of my list at this stage, no. I'm much more anxious to see him again and kiss him again and feel our arms around each other and... Sorry, just have to stop here, feeling a bit heady. But it's still completely hypothetical. I'm imagining a whole raft of possibilities, but how would it actually go? What do I want to happen if and when we finally get down to it? Coming out of a long relationship, you might be used to sex happening a certain way, a regular night of the week or only when the kids are in bed and that thing happens and then that thing because it works for everyone and rinse and repeat. And frankly, many of us are grateful to be having it at all after 10 or 20 years with the same person. So as you re-enter the dating scene and sex with new people comes onto the menu, you might wonder, 
what do I even like now? What turns me on? Will it be the same things as with my ex? Tanya says you should see it as an opportunity to experiment. So many people have come to me as clients saying, I don't think I'm interested in sex. Uh, I really don't like it. I really don't want to spend that time with my partner. They can be quite resentful. And for whatever reason, their relationship might end. And then they kind of find themselves going through this sexual renaissance where they're like, wow, I had no idea that my body could do the things it's doing, could experience the pleasure it's experiencing, and that I would even be intersex this much. So I think sometimes when we're experiencing limerence, which is the sort of the science word for the honeymoon period at the beginning of a relationship, uh, we get this reinvigorated way of looking at sex and more excitement about connecting with somebody new. And we get a chance to explore new things and different things because we're with a different person to maybe the one we had a long-term relationship with. What if you just want the same things you've always liked? Do you, do you need to loosen up or can you just go, hey, this is, this is what I love? I think there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that either. I, I think the messages we get about sex today is that everybody has to be extremely adventurous. Um, people are being kink shamed for not liking kink and I think this is totally incorrect. If you like lovely, long, cuddly sex or short, cuddly sex, why not? Uh, there is no such thing as normal sex acts. The way I uh, define normal sex is, is any sexual act between consenting adults. Anything else is up to you to invent with your partner and yourself. And please don't let anybody shame you for not liking the things that they like. What we're really looking for is where both of you overlap because that's where the magic is going to happen. And we should always be focusing on what is possible rather than what's not possible. Tanya makes a great point here about the fact that it's not just our bodies that have changed. Sex has changed. The shackles are off. And many people are more open about trying what used to be taboo, from open relationships and threesomes to kink and fetish. The other great thing about the culture of sex now, compared to the last time I was on the scene, is that there's a movement towards mutually pleasurable, consensual sex, and wait for it, communicating about what we like in the moment. If you're out of practice, talking about it can feel uncomfortable. I'm from a generation where we tended to assume sex was supposed to just work and maybe you shouldn't even have to talk about it. That can lead to some weird moments where one or both of you might try to guess what the other wants in a kind of awkward mime attempt. But Tanya says talking about your desires can help you feel safer in getting the sex you really want or at least figuring out what that might look like. I think consent is fantastic and it's also super sexy because what you just described then, you know, that sort of awkward manoeuvring, how much are we up in our heads when that's going on? Like, what's going to happen next? Do I want this to happen? Am I going to respond in the right way? How's my partner going to think about this? We're very uh, angsty and when we're worrying, our brain time travels into the future and it, it disconnects from our body in the present, which is where all the fun is. So if we're speaking to each other and we're setting up consent, We're also setting up safety because consent determines what will happen, what won't happen, but also who is this for, right? Those things are very important and checking in about that. And then when we know those things, we get to relax and have a good time rather than being up in our heads and worrying about it. So I think you can, I mean, it's very sexy being asked for a kiss. I've never, I've asked a lot of women this question uh, saying, you know, is it okay if somebody asks you for a kiss? And they've all said, I would find that really, really sexy. Uh, and it would make me feel okay and comfortable. 
with that person. And that then continues on, you know, so is it okay if I put my hand on your thigh? It doesn't have to be every single move, but it can definitely be a conversation that that we have. Like if I'm meeting someone on a date for the first time, I actually say, would you like a hug? Straight up so that we know how we're starting off. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a date just go straight in for the hug on the very first date, the very first Oof. moment of, it was like, no, no, no. Do you mind if we just shake hands <laughs> and we'll see how we go from there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that thing about um, kink and vanilla and what falls into those categories is really interesting too. Some friends have reported some changes in what guys might assume is normal or common during sexual encounters, since, certainly since I was last single. Things like face slapping or choking, which they might have pick up, picked up from porn. How do you navigate each other's assumptions about what might be expected in any sexual encounter? Uh, I think maybe having a chat about that before we get to the sexual encounter. So you might chat about that online or in writing or you might chat about that while you're on a date or you might chat about that texting after you've had a few dates. But it's like I'm really keen to understand what your sexual expectations are or what what things you, you like or enjoy. Uh, I did see a fantastic article a few years ago now that uh, young folks in New York were writing uh, sex lists, you know, so they were writing column A, these are all the things that I really, really like with gold stars next to the things that will give me an orgasm. And then in the middle, these are the things that I might try. And then on the right-hand side, these things are off the table, please do not ask. Wow. And they would send them before the dates. And I sort of thought, wow, for folks who've had trauma, this is a godsend because they don't have to explain places they don't want to be touched or things that don't work for them. They're just like, this is off the table. Don't ask. But then there's a whole list of things. It's like a smorgasbord. It's like going to a restaurant going, hmm, which dish am I going to choose, right? Yeah. And again, you're going to discuss co-creating a meal and not every meal is going to be the same. So what your body's up for today might be very different to what your body's up for tomorrow. So the expecting thing is not good. The checking in and co-creating and seeking consent most excellent, will give you a great time. Speaking of, I'm having a great time smooching Jean. This is so exciting. Everything still works. I can report that kissing is just the same. In fact, better even actually, because I feel grateful to have found it again. Very exciting. It's been a few dates now and we're kissing a lot. Kissing still works. I feel like a hungry Dickensian orphan lining up for porridge. Please, Jean, I want some more. But when it comes to taking it further, I wonder at what point do we just get down to having sex? It depends on the people, it really does. I think there are always going to be people who are more eager for sex and are going to push that way. And I think when it comes to the internet and guys on the internet, that there's going to be a push in the sex direction. That's just how it is. I think the anonymity of the internet allows people to be a little bit more forthright and a little bit more confident than they might be in real life. Um, but again, it's up to you. If, if that's not your thing, wait, you know, wait till you're ready, wait till it feels right. So it's about setting your boundaries. You can manage it by saying, I'm not the kind of person that has sex on a first date. I like to see people a few times and see, see how I feel with them in person, see how my body responds to being around you. Some folks are managing trauma. There's a lot of things. So we don't have to do what we think other people expect from us. We can check in and see what their hopes are 
Uh, and I always say, what are your what are your hopes in the sex department? I don't want to say expectations because really we don't want to expect things from each other. We want to connect and see how that unfolds and see what we can create together rather than demanding something or expecting to receive a certain amount of things uh, at various stages because everyone's different. Well, and certainly, I mean, you, you hope that you're just both going to be feeling it when you get there and you've you've set all your boundaries and you've had your discussions about what you are and aren't comfortable with and that you'll just be in the moment and it'll be lovely. <laughs> but we've also talked about how some of those narratives around our bodies and some of our feelings about our bodies can intrude. And, and you might be wondering what's your own anxiety and what might be your gut telling you maybe this is not right. Have you got advice for people in that situation? Yeah. Try and have a, a think about where that feeling's coming from. If, if, it's, if it's your head going, oh my gosh, they're going to touch a wobbly bit and they're not going to like me or something like that. If it's thoughts, um, it's possibly ideas from society and it's our head and we're anxious and a little bit stressed and that makes sense. But if you have a, an innate feeling in your body that something doesn't feel right, then it isn't. And it's really okay to say, I need to stop. I've changed my mind. I don't like that or I don't want this. Right? So, so many people think, well, I've kissed this person and now I need to do everything that we discussed or that I think should happen. And I'm here to say you can change your mind at any time. You know, we don't have to always buy the first dress that we try on in the dress shop. The same as this with dating. If, if something doesn't feel right or if we get at home and we're like, oh, I thought this thing looked great on me, but now it doesn't, we're allowed to change our mind and take it back. Right, So I think it's really, really important that you listen to your body. If you've got a feeling that something isn't quite right, pay attention to that. It might be that it's not quite right in this moment and it may be right at some time in the future. If the person that we're with can't respect that, that to me kind of reinforces that feeling of like, maybe this isn't okay. Well, and on the flip side, what are some lovely green flags that show that it's more likely that getting sexy with someone in particular will be a a safe space for both of us? Oh, I've got a big smile on my face as I hear that question. It's really lovely. Um, I think it's how we feel. Like, do I feel relaxed with this person? Am I feeling excited, like a little bit nervous and a little bit fluttery? Not not the voices in my head of like, oh, they're not going to like me, but oh, they're really cute. You know, I'm really enjoying spending time with this person. I feel energized. I feel happy when I'm around them. I'm curious about what it would be like to spend more time with them. So sort of, you know, it's that sort of safety feeling, but also curiosity mixed in with it, I guess. I'm feeling very excited about where this might lead, not just in terms of the physical side of things, but something stronger too. It's a thrill I haven't felt with most of my romantic encounters. I'm not anxious, on tenterhooks, destabilised. No, I feel that relaxed comfort that Tanya's talking about. These butterflies in my stomach are a pleasant kind of flutter. So, I've had four dates with Jean now. Well, depending on your definition of dates, we did have a cup of tea early on last time, so sure, let's say four dates. But at what point do things go from dates to dating? Maybe it's when you're regularly getting steamy. Yep, you heard me. After chatting with Tanya, and after a week or two of passionate kisses with Jean in parks near work, 
and that time we played hooky and nicked off to his place for some kid-free daytime passion. Well, after all that, I look in the mirror and I see my body differently. The undercurrent of sadness and loss will never be erased. But now I feel a wave of pride and gratitude cresting and breaking over it. I'm starting to feel that my scars and my flesh aren't something to be ashamed of. They're a canvas of experience. They show my history, and that's something that I'm ready to share with someone else. All of me, not just a snapshot on a screen. And what a wonder my body is too. It can swim and run and dance and fill me with butterflies and give me so much pleasure. And apparently, other people too. I think that it's not the age, it's it's your attitude always about how sexy you are. It's not the size or your shape, but what you're bringing to the equation. So if you feel sexy, then you are sexy. So if we allow space for people to be curious together, again, look at what is possible. And it's okay to not know. How about we have an adventure together and do a little bit of exploring? We don't have to find it all out in one go. I think I'm finally ready to find out what's possible. Next time, on the conclusion of Dated. Once I knew exactly what I wanted, what I was looking for, it was much easier to spot it when it came along. He's nice to his mum. That's a big green flag. When the right thing comes along and when you see in front of you what you're looking for, why wouldn't you get on with it? You remember what it's like to hang out with someone that you enjoy hanging out with and having fun. Dated is a Life Matters series presented by me, Hilary Harper. Our series producer is Nat Tenchich. Our sound engineer is Matthew Crawford. And Hayley Crane is our executive producer. Hey, if you're enjoying this series, listen to more of Life Matters. I explore the big things that matter in our lives, from sex and relationships to work, parenting and health, alongside Beverly Wang. Weekdays on ABC RN or catch up anytime on the ABC Listen app.